we used to use Expression Engine and all the other sort of predecessors back in the day as well. Now we're really a primarily WordPress shop. The sweet spot um, for us has been people are coming in and the pain point is I hired a developer, but they couldn't keep up with my agency-like schedule or the quality wasn't there or the communication wasn't there or the time zones are so far apart that I just couldn't handle it. What I've seen is that web development in general is more crowded, obviously, than it was 10 or 15 years ago. 15 years ago, for what you can get with a $70 Shopify site, we would have charged ten dollars or $15,000 to build that. You're seeing a crowding out at the bottom of the market where the Squarespace, WordPress.com, Shopify folks are, are filling in kind of the DIY space. This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by Freemius. If you're a growing WordPress product owner, it's time to level up to Freemius. Freemius is a complete platform for WordPress product owners to sell, grow, and build a completely sustainable software business. They cover more than just software licenses, by the way, including important features like recurring subscriptions, VAT compatibility, auto updates, and more. What I love about Freemius is that they are there to support your business with a Slack community of over 900 plus and a range of amazing content, Freemius is a partner for your WordPress business. Visit freemius.com. That's freemius.com. Thanks for supporting the show. This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by the Accessibility Checker plugin. If you're developing WordPress websites, chances are you know how important website accessibility is. But if you're like me, you don't know where to begin or you don't know if you have all of the most important up-to-date standards. Equalize Digital has created Accessibility Checker plugin, which you can download for free in the WordPress repo. It will help you get a bird's eye view of how you can improve the accessibility of a website you're working on. Upgrade to Accessibility Checker Pro for WooCommerce support, custom post type support, centralized logging, and more. Download Accessibility Checker plugin for free or visit equalizedigital.com for more information on the pro version Thank you, Accessibility Checker Plugin, for supporting the Matt Report. From expression, en- <clears throat> from expression Engine to WordPress, Rob Howard has built his WordPress agency over time as a go-to source for agencies to source their work to. Unqualified customers are the biggest threat to the early days of building a business, also known as bad product fit. When we're offering something to the wrong customer, the whole relationship is setting off on the wrong foot. When you're offering your WordPress work to a customer that already gets it, in this case, other agencies, so much more can go right rather than wrong. We'll explore building an agency, hiring, and we'll throw in purchasing Master WP for good measure. If you love the show, please subscribe at mattreport.com slash subscribe and consider buying me a virtual coffee or joining the membership at buymeacoffee.com slash mattreport. Okay, here's my interview with Rob. So we're fundamentally a WordPress development shop, right? And typically what we do is we partner up with creative agencies who need essentially a fractional CTO and fractional tech team. So they may do five or 10 big website projects per year, but they can't really, or don't have a desire to really hire an in-house technology team, either because they just don't have quite enough projects or because they know that's not their forte. It's actually, as I'm sure, quite hard to get good at hiring web developers. So that's an area where you know my focus on that has allowed others who want to be more in the creative space or the branding space to not have to think about that. So our typical project is a partnership with a creative agency, custom WordPress. We can talk about that as well, because last year we did an acquisition around custom WordPress development as well. And 
what we've done <clears throat> over the past couple of years is really started thinking about being part of the WordPress community from both a participation and entrepreneurship standpoint. So we're not just purely doing client work. We also intend to do client work for the long term, but we also are expanding our horizons into, as you said, things like content, things like open source projects, commercial projects, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. For the last, well, when I started my agency, which uh, obviously I don't run day to day, but still in operation, the first thing that I did was partner with bigger agencies <laughs> because I was just like, well, yeah. I need to get, I need to get bigger work. It's a fantastic way to go about it. I've seen in the last few years, a lot more of that happening where I where either freelancers are specifically only working with agencies these days and I've seen productized services with air quotes for the, the people who are not viewing but productized services that only focus like your best white label solution for WordPress development for your agency et cetera et cetera is this now a one what was once a super niche market now a crowded market? So I discovered this by accident back in 2009. I had started a series of full-service digital marketing agencies with basically with friends where I was the developer and they were the designers. And what we saw in 2008 was we were signing probably like 40% of our business was other creative agencies coming to us and saying, hey, we really don't need designer branding. We like doing that stuff, but it's so hard to find developers who understand design can speak the language, can keep up with the schedule of an agency. So what I eventually did was I spun out a portion of the business into Howard Development and Consulting. And that became not really a full service agency, but an agency that serves full service agencies. So my experience has been that really the sweet spot um, for us has been people are coming in and the pain point is, I hired a developer, but they couldn't keep up with my agency-like schedule because as it's pretty intense sometimes, um, or the, the quality wasn't there, or the communication wasn't there, or the time zones are so far apart that I just couldn't handle it. So we've been you know, doing that since the infancy of WordPress. We used to use Expression Engine and all the other sort of predecessors back in the day as well. Now we're really a primarily... WordPress shop with a few sort of like offshoot technologies here and there. So what I've seen is that web development in general is more crowded, obviously, than it was 10 or 15 years ago. 15 years ago, for what you can get with a $70 Shopify site, we would have charged ten dollars or $15,000 to build that. So I think you're seeing a crowding out at the bottom of the market, right? Where the Squarespace, WordPress.com, Shopify folks are, are filling in kind of the DIY space, right? Where that you basically couldn't do it yourself in 2008. Now there are reasonable options, right? Like I have a friend who is a psychiatrist who has his own practice and he was chatting with me a couple of years ago and he's like, do I need to do this or that to build a website? And I was like, dude, you can just do this yourself. It's basically just typing into, <laughs> yeah. typing into a form. You just need to put your office location and your hours and stuff. It's not a big deal. <clears throat> so I think clearly there is a, crowding out happening there. Clearly, there's also a globalization crowding, right? In the sense that you can hire somebody for a relatively cheap amount of American dollars because they're in India or elsewhere in Asia or South America, and they're going to do a pretty good job for you, right? Occasionally, you'll find somebody who's going to do a fantastic job. Occasionally, you're going to find somebody who just doesn't do the work at all, but that's there. So there's always that option for 
clients or businesses who just feel sticker shock working with a higher end developer. What we've done over the years is really just moved up market as all those things crowded out the lower end of the market. So our typical project is at least $10,000 worth of development, right? Not even including design and branding. And what we found is there's still a healthy number of those projects. We've grown significantly. Five years ago, I basically had a couple of independent contractors. Now we have uh, 18 plus employees in the US and Canada. So we're filling everybody's time and we're still selling those projects at that price point. So that's that's me very much in sort of the high code realm of, of the WordPress world. I've, as you've seen, there's a lot of offerings now that are low code to no code. So page builders, the WordPress.com ecosystem, obviously, Elementor Cloud Sites is now competing with WordPress.com. I'm not sure if they would uh, exactly frame it that way, but I see it as at least to some degree a competitor in that low code to no code space. Obviously, the venture capitalist world is going after that low code to no code because the sheer numbers are higher. There are more people who could do a no-code website than there are people who could buy a $50,000 branding agency project. From my standpoint, I am seeing that happening and moving away from it and moving into the world of high code, at least in terms of our client services. What yep. If I could just interrupt. So yeah. when I was starting my agency, one of the things that I ran into now, remember this is 12, 15 years ago at this point maybe even a little bit longer, but a few years into the agency when I realized, oh boy, I need to partner up with some bigger fish in order to get these larger projects because it was just a a quote unquote easier sell. What I found myself back then having to do was educate. I remember this, I won't name the name, but I work with an ad agency. So they they weren't technical at all. They didn't have any software development, but they were seeking, especially back then, as WordPress was rising, they were like, yeah, we want to use this WordPress thing because we we hear it's more affordable. That was their thing. Yeah. So I, I had to then go in and not only talk to them about like how we're going to do a retainer development services, but what the heck WordPress is and how to maintain it, sustain mm-hmm. it, give back, et cetera. And they're just used to Adobe... Um, I'm forgetting the name of Adobe's product that they have for for the web, but it was Adobe's product that they had, which they're used to paying a few hundred grand a year just in licensing to use it. And then they get support, they get a hotline, they get all this stuff. And they're like, wait, that doesn't exist for WordPress? I said, no, 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 that doesn't exist. So I was doing a lot of education into the agency market. Has that, do you feel that at all? Do you still feel that? Did you ever run into that at all with your... Definitely early on. And I think uh, if you're if we're thinking about 12, 15 years ago, I think one of the big challenges was that WordPress's competitors were intentionally not open source. So the one that obviously there's the big enterprise stuff like the site cores of the world, and that's kind of its own like ecosystem in and of itself. But the one that I used to use, which I don't really know exactly what there was like a series of acquisitions and kind of like shutdowns that happened. It still exists, but it's called Expression Engine. And it's fantastic from a code standpoint. They also created CodeIgniter, which is kind of like a Laravel competitor. I used to love Expression Engine and actually sell it to clients over WordPress in the two, like early 2000s because I was able to say, like, you basically you don't have the same sort of like weird security issues. Like, I think that was probably the biggest problem for me selling WordPress in the past was what number one, what does open source mean? Number two, is this insecure? 
And number three, it was almost like a what's the what's the best way to say it? it's almost like a concern that it was so it was free and thus it wasn't good. And I yeah. think what we're seeing now is obviously WordPress has been very savvy as a team and a community in kind of becoming 40 plus percent of the internet. But I think also we just have gotten past that education about what open source is and why you might want to use it. I think people are just more um, knowledgeable about that, or it's not as front and center. And at some point, I'm going to do a WordPress security kind of roundup for the newsletter. But I, I think obviously WordPress has gotten has done much better with their security reputation versus where things were 10 years ago. I think there's still obviously like improvement that could be made, or they still have perhaps an unnecessarily bad reputation in some areas of the internet. But a lot of those things, I think, are just like people have gotten used to it. And by There's the way, Expression more, Engine yeah. was a lot easier to use back then because even I would advocate, like when I first discovered yeah. it too, when I was weighing, do I go all in yeah. with this WordPress thing? And then I started getting hit with the support questions from our customers. They're like, I don't understand how to make a blog post. I'm like, well, why is this so difficult? And I realized I knew WordPress. They didn't. And then I started to seek alternatives. And Expression Engine at the time was certainly on the top of the list because it was just yeah. easier for somebody to use. Well, and you know what it was that made WordPress viable for me? It was advanced custom fields. I, I right. would say like we just did a big article about that. We've been talking with the Delicious Brains folks who acquired it recently a lot. And to me, that was the thing that made WordPress more viable than Expression Engine. And I think made WordPress more viable for people who were building non-blog sites and allowed WordPress really to move beyond a blog engine into something that you could use for any marketing site or any software as a service site. Yeah. This episode will probably be in like three segments. I want to now shift over to uh, this acquisition of Master WP newsletter and your sort of strategy there and your thinking. And let me just ask you the first strategic question. As now a media platform owner, was the strategy to acquire and then throw out a bombshell of crushing multi-site <laughs> part of the plan uh, because the internet's loving it. I'm loving it. I sit back and I say, this man's got a master plan to ruffle the feathers, bring the eyeballs. Uh, and now you probably gained a hundred new subscribers. I don't know, but go ahead, dive, in, got, dive into us, into so, the strategy of acquiring. What I'm really excited about is we have somebody doing a rebuttal next week who's an nice. outside contributor. <laughs> By the way, we pay our contributors. So if anybody wants to write for us, you can find the info on the site. And we had a great one last week. And I'm uh, thinking this one's going to come out. It, it'll probably already be out, but we'll, we'll be able to share it in a link somewhere. But you, so number one, I like to get the conversation rolling, right? Number two, I think writing articles that take a, a real stance is not only a fun way to write, but a fun way to kind of communicate, start the debate. Nobody's getting hurt by an article about multi-site, right? In, in in real life. So it's an area where I think I would, if a writer comes to me and says, here's my pitch, I'd rather have them actually stand for something, even if it's not 100% correct. And there's obviously good reasons you would debate the opposite because that just makes better writing and reading. And I think moves the conversation in a good way. And what we saw, I try not to go down the Twitter rabbit hole too much, but I did read a lot of the conversation is obviously most of the actual feedback was negative because people who disagree with you are going to post on Twitter more than people who agree with you. But there was also a lot of really interesting middle ground, as well as a lot of interesting um, people who were people who were basically saying, 
yeah, and obviously saying you're going to deprecate this software is a little extreme, but there are huge problems with this software. So it was not an intentional bombshell. Actually, we thought the other articles in that issue would get way more traffic, but sometimes things get picked up and talked about and it is what it is. But I would definitely say without making it my strategy to write these types of controversial posts every time, I do think that there is a good reason to have an opinion. And I think when you write an article and you're like, well, it could be this or it could be that, nobody really knows, like that is not exciting to me. And I would like this to be a fun and interesting newsletter, even if you don't agree with everything that everybody says. And I think first and foremost, I also want to make sure that everybody who's reading knows that we would do this for the opposite viewpoint as well. And we're planning on publishing that sort of counterpoint article. So I'm not trying to necessarily influence the community in one direction or the other, but I am trying to talk about interesting stuff. And I think this is, you know, one area where certainly my experience as a developer, for example, of a lot of like restaurant networks, like the seven restaurant network does not work well for me on multi-site, but I have a lot of clients who come in and request that. Obviously that's very different from the university that has 20,000 grad students. That is a much more sensible use case for multi-site, even if it is and and those two things are very different. So I think that is part of the reason that we're seeing people saying this is a horrible take and stuff like that on Twitter. Like, cool. But I'm I'm up for debate and, and free expression and I wanna make Master WP in a healthy way a platform that we can talk about this stuff. Sorry, Matt, you're actually muted. Let's talk <laughs> about the value of of content and how it's going to play a role for for your business. We're gonna I'm gonna hint it right here. You, you have something special to talk about in our third segment, a new product plugin thing. I'll let you frame it for us. Yeah. But talk to me about the value of content and how you might be using content to, of course, grow an audience, but have it sort of uh, funnel to other products and other services. Because I see, obviously, I'm super biased, right? I have. A, a podcast, too many podcasts and many newsletters, but I see the value in content. Explain to us how you see value in content for the greater good of the business. Absolutely. So as I mentioned in the sort of intro, like our core sort of financial engine is still client service work. However, as we think about expansion, what I think about is how can we build a self-reinforcing ecosystem, kind of a virtuous cycle of a variety of different adjacent business ideas that are all sort of moving in the direction of being handcrafted WordPress developers, being sort of the custom high code, high end zone, like area of WordPress. So that's kind of our big picture vision. We've gone all in on WordPress because we believe it's a great platform. And obviously it's proven that it's 40 plus percent of the internet at this point. So we're no longer having those conversations about, well, what's the platform, right? Um, and for our future, we envision being a household name for custom WordPress, handcrafted WordPress, as we like to call it. So if you think about Master WP in that context, I view that as um, audience growth and just an awesome brand that we have the opportunity to, to be a part of. We also acquired Understrap last year, which is underscores plus bootstrap as an open source project. And that was a really cool acquisition for us because it was our first big one, first of all. And literally my employees were like, oh, these guys are kind of wanting to sell. It sounds like 
either someone else is going to take over or this project is going to get abandoned. So the conversation internally was, well, do we just build our own? And then it turned to, well, what if we bought it and then did this? So what was really exciting for me about that was we were already using the software every day. It was already our go-to base theme. And our employees had tons of ideas for it, but for various reasons, the open source community maintainers and managers had not actually merged anything in in two years. So there was, number one, a backlog of good stuff waiting, and our team wanted to do more with it. And it was basically, they were like, wow, I can just get paid to do open source stuff all the time, which I think is kind of everybody's dream come true, who's a coder. So we had all of that. We were going to have to rebuild it ourselves anyway. So it made sense to invest in this thing having a future as opposed to throwing it away and starting over. And there was also a huge audience with that because they'd been around for so long. They had a mailing list that they were not really using. And I talked on Master WP a couple of weeks ago about how I view email as my favorite sort of, what's the word, a channel, I guess. That comes from a background in <clears throat> um, sort of information product marketing and building. I think the the folks who do info products like online courses, even though there's a lot of sketchy ones out there and it's kind of become a little bit of a flooded market now, the people who were doing that 10 years ago who are like considered sort of the masters of it, they're the ones who are saying like, nothing really matters except for email, right? Obviously that's kind of an exaggeration. Probably one of those articles I would write that would get a lot of <laughs> negative feedback. Found um, on your email newsletter. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, without taking too extreme of attack on that, email is, I think, clearly the highest conversion, highest attention mechanism. That's why you see people using it. It works. And the Understripe acquisition and the Master WP acquisition, both were content, were email-related content, and were part of the virtuous cycle that I see, which is our clients trust us more because we are trusted in the WordPress community. The WordPress community helps us with our open source projects, and we help them back. The newsletter has the opportunity for direct monetization, as well as further goodwill. And all of these things sort of flow into each other. And one of the other cool side effects that I was not really thinking as much about is just that our employees are so excited to work on these projects because we're kind of like WordPress famous in a way with these brands now, which has really just like morale. Not that we did. I don't think we had morale problems before, but we are like in the upper limits of morale because yeah. everybody's like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm having fun doing this. I'm getting paid for it. There's clearly a business model behind it. We're not just like throwing stuff out into the ether. I'm getting attention for it in a positive way. And it's just been a really, like I said, positive feedback loop. You, you said something uh, really briefly and I wanted to ask, it was actually going to be my next question. Are you going to keep the sponsorship model in place at Master WP or are you just going to route all sort of sponsorship going to Howard Development and all of your future products and services. So one, are you going to keep the sponsorship stuff around? And then a quick one, if I could, the, the yeah. website was never public before, right? Like it, it wasn't a blog looking website. It was just Correct. go sign up for yeah. the newsletter. That's a new thing. If we could just chat about both of those, are you going to keep sponsorship and the new sort of blog view of Master WP. Yeah, totally. So we do plan to keep sponsorships. If it's not broke, we're not going to fix it. We are, have already sold a couple since the acquisition. So I'm feeling good about that. And even if it's $50,000 a year in revenue, it basically pays our bills for all the work that we want to do on the site. So I think that is just, it doesn't make sense to not do that. It's already established as a thing. And there's quite an audience of like high profile WordPress related companies that 
like have bought ads before. So yeah, we are planning on sticking with that for the foreseeable future. And then the other side of it is, it's funny, I was talking to the fa- the previous owner and he's like, man, putting a website up with the articles makes total sense. But we never thought about that. Like it's just, and he was saying it from the standpoint of, well, this is great. We love having like fresh inspiration into the, the product, right? After selling it. My inspiration for that was really thinking about the Substack content model, right? Not from a paywall standpoint, but from a like, why is this working standpoint for so many people? And I know there's a lot of positive and negative views of Substack. So I'm not necessarily trying to call them out specifically, but essentially, hey, you can view these articles for free on the internet. It makes them shareable, but we also have an email newsletter. And to me, two things that I plan to do more of are our team is writing our own stuff now. We're, we're linking to other people sometimes, but we're really like primarily planning on making it original content. And I think that lends itself to the magazine style approach a lot more. What we saw with the previous owners was they were doing that, but they were posting on their own blog and then linking to it from the newsletter. We're just kind of consolidating those ideas into a website that is also a new, also has a newsletter. And also we can expand upon that website over time. Obviously, there's we have a lot of brands now, so we may do some brand consolidation in the future and stuff like that. We haven't really figured out the exact details yet, but I see the MasterWP website. We also bought the .com, by the way, which is a pet requirement of mine that I try not to run businesses that I don't own the .com for. And basically, we see that as something where people can share it on, on social media. They can link each other to it. It can become an SEO sort of recipient of traffic someday. So we see that as just an it was really an easy move for us. And we're a team of WordPress developers. So I think it took Brian, our tech director, like four hours to build nice. a basic site. <laughs> nice. So yeah, it was pr- kind of a slam dunk for us. Cool. And we're already seeing with the, the Twitter traffic and everything. It's not a huge amount of traffic, but it is an area where clearly there's growth opportunity. I'd uh, wager a guess a good buyout multiple for a, a content site like this is like one and a half to three times. So... They published their numbers, so I don't mind sharing them. We bought it for fifteen thousand U.S. and I bel- and their previous year's revenue is eighty five hundred, so that's right in that little less than two x zone. And for me, that they put that valuation on it, and I paid less price happily. And I think we were coming into the acquisition with an existing audience that was already interested in Master WP and this virtuous cycle stuff. Like, it might be hard to go buy that as a startup sole proprietor who's never done this before and go make 30,000 or $50,000 back off of it in the first year. But because we have existing pre-existing audience and all this other stuff happening, we can, I think it made sense as an investment for cool. us at that multiple for sure. Let's talk about this new product that you hinted at in our pre-interview. Um, WP Wallet. My, my, it's only been a yep, short 30 exactly. minutes. Yep. <laughs> I'm already forgetting the name. WP Wallet. Explain it. But the first thing that popped into my head when you said it to me was, he's building a crypto wallet. Yes, but it's we not. are not a crypto company. <laughs> I am happy to talk about crypto, but I'll probably, again, get a lot of uh, Twitter wars started. So maybe I won't go there. Why your uh, multi-site should be a crypto engine. <laughs> Why every multi-site, multi-site comes with an NFT. Why I started multi-site coin. So yes, so WPWallet.com. It's up and in, in, in beta right now. So you can check it out. Our goal with WP Wallet is to help WordPress developers stop fumbling with licenses, managing a million different e-commerce sites, billing your clients for a 
$90 license over here, a $39 license over there, and really give you a simple platform to manage your WordPress financial world. It's free for three sites and you can upgrade for a monthly fee if you want unlimited sites. And basically what it does is it allows you to kind of scan your site. It, it'll show you all the plugins that are on there. It'll also, from our proprietary database that we created, tell you how much those license fees are for those premium plugins. So you can sort of, within a minute or two, say, okay, this site has, let's say, $250 worth of annual renewals attached to it. You can then plug in your keys if you want to store them in a simple consolidated place. But most importantly, you can then invite your client and you can generate an invoice to your client in one click that recurs every year for that amount of your plugin costs, right? And they can pay you via Stripe or PayPal. They'll get reminders. They'll be able to see what you're doing and the plugins that you're managing. And basically, it takes the 17 e-commerce sites where you're going around and buying stuff. Most people have this stuff in a spreadsheet at best, or they're just losing money because they're not even tracking it. And it allows you to very simply, without any transaction fees, list of your plugins, invoice that client, get that reimbursement, set it up to recur monthly or yearly, and really takes the manual labor out of plugin management. We love the freemium model that supports all the developers out there, but it is really cumbersome for individuals to keep track of. I've got my Woo plugin over here. I've got my Ninja Forms over there. I've got my Gravity Forms. Oh, did I use Gravity or WP Forms for this one? Why doesn't WP Bakery work anymore? Oh, I've got to get my license key. These are all things that we deal with every day as developers that are a pain in the neck, right? So we see these, we see WP Wallet as a place where anybody can log in, easily share with their whole team exactly what they've purchased for that site and keep track of licenses and keep track of billing and kind of just not have that be a problem for you anymore. So WPWallet.com, if you guys want to check it out, we're uh, in beta right now, but it's all up and running and working. So you can start playing with it and founding members will definitely have a lower price locked in than later members. So we're kind of in that founding member zone right now. Is that pricing model going to be a percentage? Of no. So that is actually a big piece of my business philosophy. We're charging $5 a month or $50 a year right now for founding members. I think we'll probably double that eventually after we have a sort of a network effect that comes into play. So you're thinking, and that's for unlimited sites. It's free for your first three sites that you manage. So a lot of people will just be in that free tier, but sort of the power users who have agencies will pay essentially that small monthly or annual fee. And that gives you unlimited sites, unlimited users and all that. Mm -hmm. um, the way we've set it up is you actually plug in your own Stripe account, right? So we're not charging you any transaction fee, Same, or you can do the same thing with PayPal. You're just paying whatever Stripe charges you. And we're actually automatically adding that 2.9% to the invoice. So your client is gonna pay the fees, right? So if I buy something for $49.99, I should get $49.99 in my bank account because it's a re it's a reimbursement. Belief, which we'll see a few years from now if this is uh, validated or not, is that the WordPress audience is so sophisticated that they will go to any length to avoid a percentage fee on <laughs> a sale and they can do it. So by charging someone 10%, 1%, whatever percent, you're basically just telling them to go build their own e-commerce site. And then that creates this sort of tragedy of the commons situation where there's so many e-commerce sites, it's beneficial to each builder of each e-commerce site because they may be saving 
thousands of dollars per year in fees, but it would be much better for the community if everything was in one place. So that is, I think, where the industry is at today. It totally makes sense for you to go build your own site to sell your plugin because there is no place to sell it centrally that doesn't charge you a percentage fee. And you're a web developer. So why would you do that? When Mm -hmm. you think about, well, for the first $1,000, who cares? It's $20. But what if you make $100,000 in sales? Now you're losing thousands of dollars in fees and it's not really making a difference for you. Like you could just go build your own WooCommerce site for that. So we intentionally have no percentage fees. We have what I think is essentially a nominal amount of money for a agency as our monthly fee, but it's flat, flat and unlimited. So, you know, my vision for the future, especially with WP Wallet, but also for the industry as a whole is, you know, a lot of this stuff could be a lot easier, but putting a transaction fee on things is actually forcing the decentralization of a lot of this stuff. And that decentralization makes perfect economic sense as a developer, but it actually is quite annoying for the average user. So I see this as that that's kind of our philosophy here is WP Wallet is not going to ever charge a percentage fee on anything. We're going to charge a reasonable fee for our services, but we want to create in many ways a financial center point for the WordPress industry that actually helps everybody as opposed to sort of rent seeking with that 5% or 10% or, or whatever else. Sure. Do you see yourself getting into the licensing game where the site is generating the license keys? I think that is a question for plugin developers. So what I am going to do is actually ask plugin developers what would be the most easy for them. Because I think there is a legitimate reason, and a lot of plugin developers would say this, for having an e-commerce site of their own. My vision is that maybe it's more like an API or something along those lines that allows them to hook people's license keys up to our system so it's all trackable. Certainly, if we're not charging fees, there's really no marginal cost to somebody buying a plugin through our system versus theirs, and as long as it's all synced up. So I think that's really a question that I am not ready to answer yet because the users really need to answer that question. As an end user, I know it'd be a heck of a lot easier to buy a plugin, to buy six plugins in one place, as opposed to having six passwords, getting six WordPress password reset emails, getting lost in the spreadsheets and all that. So that's really where we see not only an opportunity for a cool product, but also just something that's going to help us every day in our own business. Rob Howard, WPWallet.com. Anything else that you want to buy? Anything else on your mind that you're, that uh, <laughs> a certain plugin that you're interested in uh, that you're uh, going after next or you happy? With I do not have anything on my acquisition plate, but I'm always interested. And I think as I, as I mentioned before in the, uh, on Master WP, I'm not in the go out and buy every plugin purely to consolidate mindset. I really want stuff that That's what the you know, fans want, Rob. Has a brand, has an audience, and you know, I think about this virtuous cycle when I think about acquisitions. So we shall see. The Master AP basically happened over a weekend. So we'll see what comes up next. WP Wallet, Master WP and HowardDC.com. Check it out. Where else can folks go to say? I'd say hit up MasterWP.com and subscribe. If you haven't yet, you'll hear from us as kind of everything else. MattReport.com, MattReport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list. Number one way to stay connected to this show. See you in the next episode.